Reboot. He rebooted. Version 4.0. Um, welcome to the new studio. Welcome to the new sh- show format. And welcome back, uh, the usual suspects Rick Legato, Tom McGill, Dan Miller, myself, Dave Scotland. How did we find this film? The, the film, by the way, that we're having a look at today, let me throw up a graphic. Oh, yeah, that's important, isn't it? It is This Island Earth, a classic 1955. Five yep. sci-fi classic. Um, there's some characters, uh, namely the the beastie character in this one. That is, uh, oh, it's it's lore. It's sci-fi lore, isn't it? Um, Super famous. The look. Yeah. Well, the look is. Um, if you squint your eyes, you almost see that that classic alien abduction. Uh, face with the big eyes and the big brain, and um, some have suggested that a lot of the films from this decade actually have um, played on the minds and imaginations of many people over the ensuing decades. But how did you find this one, Rick? Did you uh, see it in yay oldie time? Maybe a mo- movie matinee? Um, no, I found it when you told me to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> requested, requested, strongly. Um, that's it. Yeah, I'd never heard of it before, but oddly enough. So when I watched it, yeah, I saw a whole bunch of things that have now become, you know, the staple particularly of that era. Like, you know, the brain alien, which you can find even now. Mm-hmm. Lots uh, of lots of theremin um, yeah. sound effects. Yeah, the, the intro music. I yeah. thought it's probably one of the first to have that really spacey. It's classic. Yeah. What about you, Tom? So I, I, I was familiar with the monster because that's that recognisable Meta Luna Mutant, mm-hmm. which I've saw. Just remember seeing in lots of science fiction magazines that I would have read in uh, as a teenager. With the so, pincer yeah, claws, with the pincer claws, and the long arms, and the big eyes, and the big, big, you know, four times the size of a brain, and the so, trousers. <laughs> and uh, so I was always intrigued. Uh, on my to do to watch list, it has been it had been on my list of movies to watch for many, many, many years. Same. And uh, a few years ago, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago or so, I. I came across the opportunity to watch it and I watched it then for the first time. Mm-hmm. So you watched it recently as well, though? I watched it again up. again recently, but for the first time, yeah, it was about six years ago. What about you, Dan? Yeah, no, I hadn't seen it before. Uh, it's one of those ones that just kind of, specifically the, the mutant alien monster, monster character just kind of floats around in the sci-fi atmosphere. Um, <clears throat> so other than that, no, hadn't seen it before. And so let's have a quick chat about this poster because is this not the classic sci-fi poster from the 50s? Um, there's a lot of, there's a few variants of it, but a really nice piece of artwork. It's actually not too bad as a piece of artwork, um, but could they cram more information in here? <laughs> um, we've got two mortals trapped in outer space. Two mortals. 
Yeah, why does it say Out of everyone who dies in the film, yeah. these two are not yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Everything else dies. They're the ones that, yeah, they're the ones that don't die. So <laughs> two immortals trapped in outer space challenging the unearthly furies of an outlaw planet gone mad. Didn't get a lot of that in the film. The outlaw planet gone mad. Mm. Um, Unearthly furies is correct, I guess. Yeah. Um, two and a half years in the making. Two of those years were the special effects. That's a long time two to make years. a film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds like a James a Cameron of, film. A lot of post-production. <laughs> Ten years in the making. Um, to bring you sights of fantastic amazement, never before, never before possible on the motion uh, picture screen. Fantastic amazement. It was a technicolor. I love the way those old films, um, a real draw card for the film mm. was this color science that they used for yeah. it. You know, like uh, technicolor and um, what are some of the other ones? The Ramas. I'm pretty sure studios. I read about it this morning, uh, actually. Technorama was, um, needed three projectors to get the three colors. So they oh, would, really? each projector would have one of the RGB colors. And so it was very difficult to, to screen that because a lot of the uh, screening theaters were just not set up for that. Um, prior to the 1940s, film studios owned the theaters. Oh, and so yes. if MGM made a movie, whether it's good or bad, it would show at MGM cinemas. But um, th through monopoly laws, the US law had changed and the movie theaters had uh, to be sold off. And so now every theater could show any movies, any production houses thing. So Technorama was one of the ones that didn't last very long because it was just not feasible to re-equip all the... And that's the one with the three. Yeah, with the three. So every studio, MGM, uh, RKO, Paramount, mm -hmm. those were, were sort of the big ones. Um, there was two more. Um, they all had their own format because nobody shared uh, yeah. their technology. Yeah, yeah. yeah Technicolor that's... That yeah. three projection thing reminds me of those units that you used to see down the footy club, uh, late 80s. Remember the, the big, three big tellies? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They had the little, three little tiny projectors yeah. that the front would fold down. I think the other thing to... I think um, studios are still releasing movies in black and white. Oh, yeah. In mm. Into the 60s. Yeah. Mm. So when it says Technicolor, that kind of... It kind of doesn't mean so much today. It's like it's yeah. in colour. It's like, well, yeah, of yeah. course. But actually, that's like a bit of a feature. That's a yeah, nice. The 50s, that was a big you thing. Know, it's a bit of a feature. Like 3D now, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Colour was very expensive to do. Didn't look... Until Technicolour came around, colour wasn't actually that good. Mm. Mm. And even then, it was just... It, it's like it didn't add that much to the actually enjoyment of the film. Not as much as it... As it to make it worthwhile. So up until the A 60s, bit like 3D today, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't until television became mm. colour yeah. that films suddenly become much more profitable to sell on to broadcast. Yep. So when the film was colour, they could make more money of it when they later broadcasted it on syndication. Uh, starring Jeff Morrow and Faith Domagu, am I saying that right? Demure, according to her. Is it really? Yes, to her. So it's spelled D-O-M-E-R-G-U-E, and it's how do, how do we say? According to her, she always she seems to want it pronounced demure. Demure, isn't that, that demure is a um, is a trait, isn't it? Yes, yeah. demure and sleazy. That's it. Um, <laughs> and Rex Reason. Uh, yeah. Which and I think a, is the alien, isn't he? No, 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 no. Is, is, is the hero. Also, Jeff Morrow the hero, is the alien. Yeah. 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 Jeff Morrow is the alien. Yeah. Okay, Rex cool. Reason's the man of the deep baritone. And Rex Reason's a pretty damn cool name. It's the best, <laughs> <laughs> the best real name that someone can come up with. Yeah, it's his real name. 
And right. strangely enough, oh no, I'll keep it for later. No, no, no. Uh, you sure? <laughs> keep it for later. Sounds like we've got some uh, some trivia coming down the pipeline. <laughs> so, gentlemen, in three to four minutes, how can we summarize this story as far as story beats and a linear nar- uh, narrative through this story? Um, so, what you're talking about is the synopsis. Yeah, deep <laughs> synopsis, absolutely. A brief synopsis. Dan, you want to start? All right, so uh, we start with um, what's probably going to be the main character, which is Cal Meacham, and he's some sort of um, extraordinary scientist, and uh, he goes from a news conference back to his home base. He notices that some strange equipment has turned up in his home base and starts investigating this equipment. He doesn't quite know where it's coming from. Then he um, slowly gets more of this stuff, and he starts to build something that, that... keeps getting sent to him and he eventually builds this gigantic supercomputer that's effectively sent to him in the mail um, <clears throat> and that's really a sort of a test for a special secret group of scientists and um, they send him an aeroplane he gets on the aeroplane and he goes to where these this secret group of scientists are and um, it turns out the secret group of scientists are actually aliens from a different planet and um, uh, but he doesn't know that well he doesn't he know that doesn't know that yeah, but he, then then they find out that they're aliens from another planet. Um, and then the aliens are trying to use the scientists to try and um, improve their technology so that they can defend themselves against a battle on their home planet. Um, but they run out of time, uh, the aliens do, and so they pack up and head back to their home planet and they take our scientists' heroes with them. Destroying all trace that they've been here. Yep, destroying all trace that they've been here. When they get back to their home planet, um, uh, the plan would then be to do further research so that they can power their defences against their, the attack that they're under. But um, that kind of doesn't work out either. Because they're a bit late. Because they're a bit too late. and um, The bad guys are getting through the shield. Yeah, that type of thing. And then... Uh, our heroes make friends with one of the aliens and then that alien and our heroes, they kind of escape and the home planet from the alien home planet is doomed, gets blown up and then everybody comes back home. Happy with that as a synopsis? That's, that's pretty it. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much pretty it. Pretty much wraps it up. Awesome. Um, so our first segment is um, a, a narrative-based segment and we've got, our, uh, we've got some exciting new stingers that have been done by our in-house uh, audio technicians. Um, so we'll, how about we, we, uh, we not uh, keep people waiting any longer. Let's get into our first segment. Okay, so um, just talking about the the plot, the story, the actual story of the film. So some people may have seen the film before they've watched this video. I don't know. Maybe you haven't seen the film before you watch this. So obviously it's going to be lots of spoilers and stuff in it, right? Oh, absolutely. As always. goes without saying. I don't know. I'd have to expect that people should have watched it before they come here. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's the Or enjoy looking for the things that we talk about. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But either way. Spoiler, spoiler. Yeah. Um, okay, so this island Earth. So um, first of all, I just wanted to go over some of the components that make up the story. Mm-hmm. And so there are some characters in the story, and then there are some objects in the story that we talk about, right? So there's. Okay, I'll ask you guys a hard question, slightly hard question. Um, is there a main character, and who's 
the main character be? Cal. Cal Meacham. Do- Cal Dr. Meacham. Cal Meacham. Okay, and that's played by Rex Reason. Nuclear. Nuclear or scientist. Is it elect- well, he's an electronic. He's an electronics dude. Guy working yeah. in the new, the brand new world of uh, atomic physics. Atomic energy. Yes, atomic energy. He's and he's attempting. What's he's, he's attempting to turn lead into uranium so that they can yeah. make it into yes power superpower. Mm. All right. Yep. Okay. So um, that's probably the he's main also character. A, a Renaissance man, just like our friend from uh, the Eighth Dimension. And we were doing the the film. He is a bit like Buckaroo Banzai. Buckaroo Banzai. He's a, he he's is, a pilot. Yeah. He is Buckaroo Banzai's dad, probably. Yeah. <laughs> he flies jet planes. Yeah. He's yes. an egghead that flies a jet that. Yeah, the Air Force gave him a jet. Like, yeah, they gave him a Lockheed. Yeah, to fly to work with. Yeah, yes. like, he's got a couple of octaves lower than the normal register. Yes, for that's right. He's usually movie uh, movie guys don't go a little little <laughs> little too. He's very Darth Vaderish yeah. with his uh, range, yeah, and he's got the chin to match it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he's probably our main character. Um, there's a kind of a, a second main character that hangs around, and that's uh, and oh, so so he's a scientist, right? So he's a he's a, a super scientist basically. So who's the second main character? You you're Mr. talking about Lex Exeter? Well, this is where we can start to have a little bit of a conversation. Um, okay, it could perhaps be Lex uh, Exeter. So, how would you describe Exeter? His character first. Before we know he's an alien, you mean? Well, I think he's demure. Yeah, he's he's demure. He's, what, what's his role? Calm. What's his job? He's what overseer. Is his, he's, he, he's the director of a program. He yeah, gets people pro- together. He's like a director. secret. Keeps them on track. Yes, he's a secret sort of... I don't know what you'd call him. He's like an organiser. What's a Project good word? Director. Project, Project director. Project director. Yeah. Right. But he's also an alien. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, we, yeah. But how would we tell? Aren't all project directors <laughs> aliens? <laughs> yeah. The, um, the... So he's a metalunan. Deep tan. Um, shade. I, the bulbous forehead the white hair that's almost Donald Trump it yes if you, uh, my, my, my way to describe him was if you could imagine a space elf crossed with Donald Trump <laughs> that's harsh that or, is a metalunan or a tall I think that's fair I think that's fair <laughs> so he's a he's if a, someone drew based on that description you would get Exeter Okay, so that's Exeter. He's he's some sort of organizer dude. Now there's another character that we have in there. That's also another main character. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Doctor Ruth. Ah, uh, yes, Doctor okay. Ruth Adams. Doctor Ruth Adams. Now, what's her sort of character? What's her sort of role? She's, she's a she's scientist. a nuclear she's scientist. Another scientist. Yeah. Okay. Ex love interest. Do they say n- nuclear? Nuclear. Nuclear. <laughs> Atomic, yes. probably. That's right. They she, would say. She's Thank an atomic you. scientist. She's an atomic scientist as well. So yes. we've got another another scientist. Yes. Um, uh, she, as we find out, might be a little bit under the influence of mind control or mm. something or other. So mm. she's a bit dopey. She might have been pro. She's a bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so maybe there's one other character as well, and that's the more Donald Trump version of the Donald Trump space elf. And his name is the Monitor. Brack. Oh no. Oh, we don't see Brack. the Monitor until the very end. We definitely yeah. see Brack. Yeah, we see Brack, which is Exeter's assistant. Yes. Yes. Yep. Who's more of a c- company man than yes. Exeter? Yes. Yes. Almost like a twin. They they they're sort of cut from the same visual cloth. Yes. Um, whereas Brack is a little different to Exeter. Exeter's a little bit more 
um, accepting of the frailties of mankind. More down to earth. Brack's not having it. Yeah, he's a bit more of a um, enforcer. He's a bit yeah. more serious. Yep. Pro probe does whomies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, he yeah. probably does the probe. If in doubt, probe, probe them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> probe first, ask questions later. Up to him. Yeah. And then the last one is the monitor, which is a sp effectively the space president from mm -hmm. Metaluna, the other planet. Yep. Okay, so we've got two doctors, humans, and we've kind of got two or three Metalunans. And we do have um, that guy actually on the screen now. Who's only for the Act One, really? He's, uh, he's offside. He's laboratory offsider, Joe. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think his name's Joe. Down to earth, yeah. every man Gets type excited. guy. He's very excited about Cal's every move. Like yeah. he's uh, yeah. and quite quite the lab assistant. You'd, he's, you'd he's want capable. It. He's very capable. Yeah. Probably not a genius, and he no. knows it. No. Yeah. Yep. Doesn't well, fly a rocket ship to work. Odd the, from a, from morning. a from a narrative perspective that they. Have him only there for the first bit mm. of the story. Yeah. Then they fly to the to to Georgia where the experiments happen, and then they introduce a new lab assistant that mm. they do away with in the end. Yep. So essentially, have two actors playing the same, same role. role. Yep. Okay, yeah. that's a really interesting point. Mm. Okay, so the second lab assistant who we see later on, um, uh, who's the actor? What else does he play? Yeah. The professor, Which, Gilligan's Island. He's the, the guy. professor from Gilligan's <laughs> yeah. Island. Yeah, Johnson. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what his name is. Forget his first name. I had to Johnson. look it up because he was so recognisable and thinking, yeah. who is this guy? Yeah. I, know, I know who he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so some of the things that are going to be in the story. So those are the people, the characters that are going to be in the story. Some of the things that are going to be in the story. Um, don't get a lot of screen time, and we might need to talk about this, but they're kind of important to the story, and that's the Zargons. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, yes. yes. Now, now, what's your best description of the Zargons? Um, they throw asteroids, and that's about I it. I think it's comets, actually. Is no, it's asteroids. Yeah. Meteorites. Is it? The planet it's, was a comet. Yeah. But oh, and they're throwing meteorites. meteorites. Yeah. Okay. So my first observation... That's their weapon... Weapon deployment of choice. Yes. So my first observation is some sort of, I think, sci-fi space rule that if you come from a planet that's an asteroid, you must use asteroids as weapons. Mm. You know, if they came from an ice planet, they would be throwing snowballs or something <laughs> or other. Yeah. Ice, ice ion beams there or is something a trend. or other. Yeah. Right. Okay. So the, there's the Zargons. Now, what 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 are the Zargons up to? They're, they're chucking around meteors all the time or mm. comets or whatever. But what exactly bombarding, are they doing? Bombarding Metaluna. They're blowing up Metaluna. It's a war between those two worlds. It, it's a war. Okay. Yep. And they're trying and the to destroy Metaluna outright. They, they want. Zargons are winning. The Metalunas are defending themselves with a, a shield against the uh, yep. the ion shield or meteorite. something like that. And they need power. They're running out of power to, right. to, to shield to power the shield, which is why they have such an interest in all of these atomic energy people. Okay. So. Um, that's the Zargons. What is a interocitor? It's everything. It's a. It does everything. <laughs> it communicates. It it shoots neutrino beams. It, it's it's a it smart. What does, it, what does it look it like? Can, what does it look like? Um, it's a big washing machine with a triangular <laughs> monitor on top. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's, it's like a gigantic washing machine. It's a triangle a, uh, monitor on top. A diamond and monitor. And three laser beams in each so corner. So it's kind of, of like a combination between a TV mm. and a um, supercomputer. 
With laser beams. With, no, it's weaponized. Probably atomic beams, I would suggest. It could be, could be. Yeah, it, they, they say it at some point. They it can melt it's, uh, it's lead. Materials. and. So yeah. this is this is made by the Metalunans. Yes. This is one of their, their genius pieces of equipment that they do everything it's with. It's a test. Yep. It's also the test. If somebody but they're can. also on their home planet. They're also yeah. using yeah, yeah. interocity. Because they can do everything. It is a test, isn't yes. it? Like they can it. save airplanes that are crashing. by they try. Which they cause to which crash, they in, the cause first to place. crash <laughs> in the first place. I'm sure yeah. they could cook their dinner with an interocity. They do. Probably <laughs> plays Mozart <laughs> for them. Well, they're spying on their, doc- their, their labs via their interocitors as well. Right. Yeah. And the interocitor can see through walls and plates of even gigantic thick plates of lead yes and records see straight audio. through them records audio yes mm. does everything it's it's like a mobile phone except yeah. uh, except it yeah. does it all one app absolutely yeah. Yeah. if you a add laser freaking laser beams <laughs> to a mobile phone you've got an interocitor exactly absolutely exactly. okay so they have another machine that nobody they we don't get a look at unfortunately and that's a thought transformer that's right it's threatened now, um, I would suspect that an interocitor probably has some thought-transforming abilities. Yep. Um, and spirit of Tom's question, I don't know why they have to have another machine yeah. to do the thought-transforming. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you just get the interocitor and just beam it Maybe into Maybe that's brain? what they do. They just exactly. say we're going to... So what they have done is they have uh, mind-controlled the scientists yeah. when they were getting too uppity. Yep. Maybe, yeah, but maybe the, it's just another program within, within the, the interocitor. Yes, and instead probably. of red beams, it fires uh, green beams into your forehead. That's we just course didn't, where it We just go. didn't see it. <laughs> All right. Um, so, and then the last component I'm going to add to the to the story is mutants. Mutants. That's right. They don't say mutants. Do they say mutants? Oh, do they say mutants? They say mutants. Mutants. So on Metaluna, the, the home planet that's under attack... They have mutants, mutants there, which are horrible space monsters with gigantic brains that right. are insects. Actually, What's the backstory what, what again? Exeter says they are much like our insects, just bigger. <laughs> which and is, yes. they're nothing and, like our insects. And with some intelligence. <laughs> was, and wasn't no there a way backstory? anything like our insects. Was it, was it part of an experiment? or? <laughs> no, they, they made them on purpose. Yeah, they're, they're to, menial to labor. That's they're, right. Yeah. With a very handy two pincer yeah. hands, they can do all the work <laughs> yeah. on Metaluna that yeah. is required. That was a bit of a design error, perhaps, on their part. Because they seem to have gigantic brains. And because part of the plot is they're trying to you know, capture scientists, why don't they, they use their mutants to. It didn't their big seem brains. Too capable. They, they probably can't operate a slide rule with their pincers, so they're not very good scientists. <laughs> All right. So those are the most those are the big components of the story. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what I was thinking was next we'd um, just sort of discuss the like the logline for the story. Yep. So the important thing is um, there's so there's a couple of important things for the logline for people who don't know a logline is there's like a small little formula that you use to try and describe a story in just like one or two sentences. Um, so the thing that we're going to need first of all is the inciting incident in the story. Mm-hmm. What is the inciting incident? Where is where does the story kick off? Where does the protagonist start the journey of being on the story he gets arc? Gets a capacitor sent. I think I, he gets to work. I think it's when he meets assistant. Exeter. Oh, when Exeter that. No, I mean when Exeter turns up on the interocitor that they build in the lab, then the story really starts for Cal. Up until then, it's backstory for Cal. 
Maybe. Who I is would, he? Would what is his skills? Why is he I'd, there? I'd say it's them figuring out that the catalogue. Yeah. Yeah. You know, getting, oh, getting yeah. the little red bead and starting research yeah. from, from. Yeah, you could go from there. What, what, what do you think? Um, well, what I've said here is that the story starts when our hero receives a disassembled supercomputer in the mail. Yeah, basically it's that. Yeah. So he comes into work one day and there's a, he needs a thingy because one of his thingies broken and he's, he, he says, where's the thingy? And the, his lab assistant says, well, look, here's a different thingy that we've got. And it's a super version of the, mm. the thingy that he wanted. Mm -hmm. And then he gets all curious. It's like a fuse or something. It's like some fuse or something. It comes from some mysterious sub-company within That's that right. nobody's Section ever heard of. 12 yep. or something. Yep. And it has amazing powers of voltage and capaci capacitance. Mm -hmm. And then he gets a telephone book, which is like the instructions, like the Bible. It's That's like right. the Eldritch yeah. instruction yeah. book for, the I, for he, the... I think he even says the pages are made of metal. That's right. Mm -hmm. The pages were made of... Some kind of metal. Crazy metal. Didn't look like any kind of metal. <laughs> and then... The rest of the machine just turns up in the mail. Like yeah. he ends up with 101 boxes, in like bits. from Amazon. Well, they, they he, ordered he, it. He actually says uh, they ordered like 2,457 <laughs> yeah. pieces of yeah. their catalogue. Yeah. 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 They order it because they find this 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 instructions. They yeah. say, oh, let's build that. Let's yeah. order the things. Where do we get the bits? He said, well, the last time you reached out to order something, they sent those beads. So... Just let's, order let's it and happens. hopefully it'll yeah. just turn up. And it, it does in wooden crates. It's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like a prototype for... Amazon. Yes. 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 Um, Amazon sent them. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Exeter is Jeff Bezos. <laughs> that makes so much sense. <laughs> okay. So the next one is that there has to be some sort of action or goal. So we've already got what the hero is. That's that's how we've discussed that before. So what's the action or goal? What is the hero going to do? What is the action that he has to undertake? He has to uh, go away. Uh, to the base of the mysterious people who send him. Yeah, he has to go to Amazon headquarters. <laughs> he has to go back to Amazon. <laughs> yes. Find out who's behind all this. Yep. He's yeah. basically driven by curiosity. Yes. He, he isn't given... Because he has to go blind. He doesn't know what's waiting for him. He just basically gets an invitation. If you're interested in my interocitor technology, yep. come and join me. There's a plane waiting for you sort of thing. And yep. he has to go blind. So there really isn't a mission. He doesn't have any task other than curiosity. To, to satisfy his own curiosity in which he doesn't have a problem getting in a windowless plane to, to go and satisfy. Yes, he's very trustworthy. There would be no, you know, it's no... Uh, service on the plane he, he like arrives on his eight hours stuck on a plane with no windows oh yep. and no seat belts that's right it doesn't have any seat belts all right so um my sort of version of the action of goal is investigate the actions of a secret alien organization yep so let's put it all together the log line for the hero is when a high achieving famous scientist receives a disassembled uh, supercomputer in the mail you must investigate the actions of a secret alien organization who want to take over the planet Earth. Was it, where did that last bit come from? Yeah, he doesn't know that. Well, well, well not only doesn't he well, know remember that, that's the, not the, part the, of the movie. The logline contains spoilers. Ah. The logline doesn't have, doesn't keep secrets. Well, there's no, 
I don't think there's any threat to the planet Earth. Oh, well, they do want no, to well, e evacuate the Metalunan race to Earth and enslave the humans with their mind ray. Admittedly, that mm. might have been part okay. plan the, B, right? That's right. Their plan A, that's right. plan a been, was to restore the shield. Yeah, it was just kind of fix everything. Plan yeah. B was, well, okay, we'll have to take it over. You know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's, that's the story from one point of view. I want to do it from a different point of view. Because I think there's there's more than one point of view going on here, and that is from the the point of view of the Metalunans, specifically Exeter. So imagine that Exeter is the hero of the story, and it's actually Exeter's story, not um, Cal's story. Okay. Yeah. Right. So Exeter's now the main character, yeah. and we just need to have the inciting incident and the action or goal of what Exeter's up up to, what he's doing. Right. So what's the inciting incident that kicks off the story for Exeter? In this film or? In this film. Now remember that Exeter's already on the planet with his setting up his secret organization mm. to try and collect scientists to do stuff. They well, try to escape. No? Well, yeah. he gets a recall. He it's, gets a it's, recall. It's from... when the last scientist turns up and turns out to be a troublemaker. Yeah. And the, but the, and the yeah. recall's just a coincidence, isn't it? With the escape. Like, yeah. there's no link between the fact no. that the scientists just no, tried to escape. No, because scientists have tried to escape before and they were always caught. Yeah. And, uh, so it was real, the recall was really from the, what's his name? The monitor. The monitor. Yeah. He's, he said, no, that's it. We're going. We're out of power. Grab, this, we're grab those two scientists. We're going. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So even though he was up to, you know, even though he was planning stuff and he had this organisation set up and he was collecting scientists from around the world and doing experiments and stuff, mm. that's not really his story. His story happens when, um, yeah, when it when the energy fails on his home planet and he has to bring the scientists back, okay? So um, I've got here, when the mind control of human scientists um, on Earth fails or when the collection of human scientists on Earth fails. Um, and so what's his action or goal? We've got that. That's pretty easy now. Must bring the humans or scientists to his home planet to prevent um, its destruction by invaders. So um, logline. So this is the logline for Exeter. Um, when the mind control of human scientists on Earth fails, an insightful alien secret operations commander must bring the human scientists to his home planet to prevent its destruction by invaders and saves them when that effort fails. So that's the story from his point of view. So I want to go back to the question that we started before. Who's the main character of this this movie? I still think it's Cal. Starts with him, ends with him, it's Cal. I think it's supposed to be Cal, but yeah. I think it's actually Exeter. Hmm. I'll give you another 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 thing that I, I think is is interesting is that Cal doesn't really do anything in the whole movie yeah. what does he do and what's his goals his goals is just to check out yeah, he, doesn't really have he doesn't have goals he has nothing to do that's 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 he's so playboy he's he's there in every scene and he's part of every stage and every step yeah but he doesn't he's a playboy he, he leads the wet blanket around by the hand right that's a critical role right yeah um, but for the story, no, no, there's, there really is no. He's the yeah. right, he's the curious person that jumps down into the rabbit hole because he's curious. Yeah, mm -hmm. yep. Then once he's there, he has to. What's, what's he do? His next bit really is only. Well, he is the catalyst for why they escaped. Yeah. He's the Jack Burton of this film. Yeah, 
Yeah. He's the hero who doesn't. Yeah, he's anything. just like Jack Burton. But that, he's Pops. still the hero. Yeah. And um, he is a hero. Yeah. And then he, I suppose, help, um, facilitates the escape, jumps in the plane. He doesn't. Right. Exeter does that. Yeah. Oh, out of the spaceship yeah. at the very end. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of the most. Ah, uh, but I don't know. He, that's. It's kind of handed to him on a platter. But he's not really pushing the story forward too much. He's just like walking through the door that. Yeah. Like, but I, I count that to being a fault in the movie, a fault in the script that the hero really, the only, he does one thing, and that we just saw that in the, in the in the film as it flashes by on the monitor here. He punches Exeter in the guts yeah. at one point and says, no, we're not being, let's get out of here. Yeah. We're not going to get mind control. That's the only decision he ever makes that has any consequence. Yeah. yeah. And it's not a big one. No. All right. So next, I want to talk about Exeter. I just so I just got a couple of little story weaknesses, and that'll that'll sort of bring it to a conclusion. So next, I want to talk about um, Exeter himself. Um, Exeter seems to be a kind of a nice chap, right? Mm. Yeah. He's not really a jerk. No, he just wants mm. to save his planet. He kind of likes the humans. He saves. Right? He saves the humans in the end. He saves the humans in the end. He takes one from the team from the mutant. So given that. Is but Exeter's also the one that probably killed all of the oh yes yes the scientists the in scientists. his organization's base oh, when yeah. he left the base. Well, I got some theories about that. I think it was Brack, right? Uh, He's under not in Exeter, control. He, he says that Exeter wasn't. He couldn't have to obey orders. He didn't so for every, wield his power with an iron fist. And so, so, so Brack Brack got away with some shit. So when they left Earth for the very first time, yeah. Um, you know the 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 secret organization effectively blows up, mm. and it's done by the aliens. That it's done by the metalunans. Self destruct. Do you mean? I don't know what what caused What's, it. Didn't they say it's self oh, yeah. destruct? No, um, well, he's told he has to yeah, destroy all trace, and and he does. And so you're right. There's probably a few doctors in labs that might have and workers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. met their demise. Yes. Yeah. yeah, every every human died. Yeah, and yeah. and oh, that's right. There were some waiters and waitresses and, and chefs and stuff like that. Yeah, Cal, um, the cat does the cat at least. Yeah. The cat. Um, Cal does say, you know, you mur murderer. Cal certainly blames him for. Yeah, which I think was largely about the cat. And Cal <laughs> liked the cat. Yeah, yeah, cat murderer. There's another thing that Exeter does, and that is when he's ordered to put them into the mind control thing. So they're on the planet. And the monitor wants to get the humans to try and research so they can get more power to save themselves. He then wants to force the humans to do it, so he wants to put them in the mind control. And Exeter, he's kind of happy to do it. But he kind of says... Yeah, he's he, reluctant, he but at the says, same time... He, he kind of says, get into the mind control yeah. machine. I won't turn it on. He's pretty much saying that, isn't he? Well, yeah. you know, it's the best thing that can happen. And that's where Cal, stage. like, punches him in the stomach and says, ah, fuck you, I'm yeah. out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so what I, I suppose that the point I'm trying to make is it is Exodus a bit weird. And I think the 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 character, the, the actor who plays Exeter was a, I read somewhere, was a Shakespearean. Yeah, he's yeah. Theater, right? actor. And he wanted to bring a bit more nuance to, yeah. the, to the character and so I think there's a bit of a tension there between perhaps Exeter was originally written as this evil psychopath mm. and we want to try and try and improve him he's, he's really good the actor in that uh, he's charismatic uh, Jeff Jeff Morrow yeah yeah I, th I think what we end good. up with is like a, a Scott Ridley version of the character versus a Michael Bay version of the character <laughs> yeah it's a fair call I liked um, 
anytime he was on the Interossita, yeah. they went to a lot of trouble in trying to match the eye lines to what was going on in the room. So if he says, if he says step back and he's beaming something, he's sort of looking at them <laughs> and then he's looking at the thing. Now that's yep. really hard to do when yep. there's a camera there that's filming you in some other space at some other time. And so they went to a lot of trouble. If you, if you see some mm. of the imagery, whenever he's talking to people in the room through the interocitor, he's actually maintaining eye line. Mm. And that's not easy to do when it's a two-dimensional flat screen and there's a fixed camera in the screen. I thought that was pretty um, unique because really we met him through that device, mm. didn't we? Mm. Mm. I, Gen- like, I like the idea of looking at the story from his perspective, though. That's pretty cool. All right, so a um, couple more points. Um, the humans do nothing, right? And especially when the mutant alien turns up at the end, how does the alien... There's actually two aliens which is a bit hard to kind of discern. There's one in one room and then they go to another place and then there's another one. Mm-hmm. So, but it's a bit hard to tell that there's actually two. It should have at least changed his trousers <laughs> to be like red or green. Yep. But how is the alien defeated? Oh, shit happens, dude. Yeah, shit happens. It's like, <laughs> exactly. In the, in the first one, you know, they're going through the depressurization thing. Yeah. Right, and then the alien gets trapped outside the depressurization, and he gets depressurized. On, that's that's to the death. end one. At the end, oh, the, on, end on the one. UFO. Yeah, yeah the first sorry. one gets killed by rubble by falling on his yeah. head. Yeah, rubble falls on its head. It's <laughs> dead. Yeah. So again, our heroes lose a chance to be heroic. They're just yeah. standing in front of a horrific monster that that's just right. gets squashed by something. That's right. Did it disintegrate into goo? No, yeah, that was on Metaluna. The first one that got turned into a sun. The alien. Well, well in the, the on the planet. ship, he, he got disintegrated. Oh, yeah, okay. He, he, yes, on yes, the yes, second yes. one, on the planet, that got disintegrated into goo. Yes. Okay, so Tom, you said earlier that there were two offsiders that could have become one offsider. Yeah, they should have been. Okay, well, in this one, we had the mutants, which is these iconic bad mm. guys, but it turns out that they're not really the bad guys. No. They're just sort of some I got the slave. idea that they were some byproduct of an experiment in the past and they were just bunch of dumbasses that just, just hang around, around and people order them around and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah they, they were like the servants or something. or something around yeah. but they're what's on the poster that what what's the cool thing they're yeah, the, the cool design of the film yeah and so when i watched the film for the very first time i was quite disappointed at the end because i wanted you know that's what the, i thought this is a space movie and if you, right. if you watch the trailer yeah. the trailer is all about ufos and being on meta luna yep and when I watched it for the first time, you go three quarters of the whole it film is, before they finally leave. Yep. And then they get to the planet and they go, oh, this, all, this is not working. Mm. And they go home again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. It's all broken. <laughs> go home. Um, actually, the, a lot of build up. The, the studio forced the, the um, screenplay, the writers, to put the mutant in. It's not in the original story. Oh, really? Oh, right. Because the, the, I'll talk about later but this comes from a pre-existing story okay. ah, and when it got turned into a screenplay yep um script writers um were told to the mutant in. and the studios yep. make the posters and the trailers yeah all right well then then this is a major studio mess up because like you said we have all these zargons the bad guy zargon yeah, yeah. Why the hell couldn't a bad guy Zargon just like teleport down yeah. to the planet and we call that brain thing That's the right. Zargon? He could have been the Zargon. Yeah, instead of some useless you know, janitor. To do yeah, 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 this yeah. insect janitor yeah. or it something. Goes, it goes a bit right. crazy and wild off his own bat. All right, so almost there. Um, 
The last one for me, or second last one, is Exeter dies at the end because reasons. Uh, Why does he die? Well, he got a really nasty pinch. <laughs> he got a severe pinch <laughs> a, in, a, in the liver area. A severe pinching. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because his spaceship's out of energy. Uh, yeah, he, but that's he, not why offered, he died. No, they offered to him to take him oh, that's and right. after he can live on Earth with them. And he just said, no, no. Yeah, no, yeah I don't know. He sort of hit the Useless. accelerator Useless, and took yeah. off really quickly. I don't know whether he was trying to break the Earth's gravity or something, but it didn't end well. So he was kind of wounded. When they're discussing it, they're like, come on, come with us. We'll save you. It's all good. And he says something like, uh, no, my wounds can't be healed. I think at first he says, no, I'm going to go and yeah, explore yeah. the galaxy. And then uh, Cal says, yeah, that's bullshit. <laughs> then he calls yeah, him on said, it. Yeah, yeah, you got no fuel. You <laughs> can't said, do anything. Come on, man. <laughs> so that's kind of weird, isn't it? Cal's being yeah. super logical. And then he says, no, 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 you go. You go I'll man. just. Maybe he doesn't want to be the last of his race. Yeah. I, think then, he, I think he does the whole, well, then why do, no, why you do must we, go now. If he doesn't want to be the last of his race and he wants to die, why doesn't the story tell us that? And he says, he has yeah. his last speech yeah. where he they says, did the same thing yeah, with the, uh, we have our way. With the assistant. Yeah. They did the exact same thing when they were driving away in the car, the three of them in the car, That's right. being followed by laser beams. And then the assistant says, oh no, I will stop the car and then we'll all right. do a run yeah. for it. That's yeah. right. And they're doing the same thing to yeah, him. So he just so stays so. in the car, drives 10 more meters and gets zapped. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, the professor from Gilgamesh Island. So I think that might have been again this tension yeah. where that originally he was this super bad guy, but the actor was trying to make him sort of a redeemable, you know, deeper character. And yeah, all right. So my last one is the cheesiest line in the whole movie. I'm sure you all know what it is. So I'll have to read the line beforehand, and then I'll read the the cheesiest line in the whole movie. Okay, so they're on the planet Metaluna, mm-hmm. and they're confronting the 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 President Trumpian elf, space elf, the monitor, and they're having a bit of an argument about who's boss. He's just told them that he's got, oh. essentially going to take over their... The, there's only like 15 Metalunans left. <laughs> and somehow they're going to take over... There's a handful. <laughs> yeah. They're going to yeah. take over the planet Earth. And anyway, yeah. he says... So he's in an argument with Cal. And the monitor says, It is indeed typical that you Earth people... Refuse to believe in the superiority of any world but your own. Children looking into a magnifying glass, imagining the image you see is the image of your true size. And Cal retorts, our true size is the size of our God. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, yeah. Where the hell did that come yeah, from, yeah. Cal? Where, where indeed did that come from? <laughs> yeah, it was like, right. take it outside. Come <laughs> yeah. Calm down, Cal. Yeah. <laughs> Cal doesn't actually turn up to church. He doesn't have a cross. He doesn't. Yeah. Yep. He's it's a good American. Be, well, it's a sign of the times, isn't it? The yeah. 1950s. I mean, he's American. God's, it's synonymous. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, so that's the story. Fantastic. <laughs> well, that's our, that's our first episode of... Um, uh, what the plot, hosted by Dan uh, Miller. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. To the studio audience. Outro music. What the plot. Looking forward to the next episode of What the Plot in our uh, in our next film review. And we'll be back shortly with episode two of our This Island Earth show.
32.